0: I'm Stephanie Cox and this is Mobile Matters. Today I'm joined by Sean Schweigman at Demand Jump. Sean is the co-founder and chief strategy officer at Demand Jump, which is a customer acquisition platform that helps brands align marketing with dynamic internet behavior. Sean is a data-driven marketer with a history of shaking up markets at companies such as ChaCha V-Commerce and Overstock, where he held a pivotal role in helping bring that e-commerce company from 10 million in revenue to 800 million in annual sales in less than 5 years. In this episode, Sean and I are talking a lot about the fact that given the large amount of data available to marketers, it's easy for us to feel data rich, but insight poor. How the multi-device explosion has truly transformed the landscape of digital marketing and why it might be finally time to admit that the marketing funnel is in fact broken. And make sure you stick around to the very end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Sean. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it was like to get into this market and really how you made the decision to be where you are today?
1: It's been a long, wild, chaotic ride. I'll tell you that. But I, um, I actually started my career on the IT, the technology side of the house, uh, so I was I was in information technology, doing development, network engineering, a lot of data warehousing projects for about a decade and and went to Overstock really to be the, uh, the CTO. But about a year, year and a half into it, our CEO asked me to take over marketing. And I had never done marketing before, never studied it in school. And so I think my immediate response was no, I was afraid of sort of breaking it. But we were at a very tough time then, um, having big challenges with our biggest competitor uh, was about 50% bigger than us. And they were growing faster. We were, were being outmaneuvered in the marketplace. Uh, so I, I ultimately took over marketing and then pretty interesting when I attacked it, uh, I attacked marketing much like I attacked sort of data warehousing, right? Very uh, data centric, data driven approach, right? study studied the numbers and did and a ton of testing. And, and I kind of learned marketing, I'd say the non-traditional way through the data. So yeah, that's not, not, the, not the traditional marketing story, I think.
0: No, definitely not. I've not met a lot of people that started in IT and moved into marketing. So when you think back to your career, right? And what you've seen, especially the last, you know, 15 years or so, how much has Business changed in terms of digital marketing.
1: Uh, you know that's a great question. I, it, there are <laughs> there are some things that still haven't changed, and I scratch my head asking why uh, every day. <laughs> and then there there are other things that are that are so different now. Uh, I still can't can't believe it. So, so as, like as an example, uh, the quantity of data that's being produced in the world today. Uh, the last stat I read was ninety percent of the world's data has been created in the last twenty-four months. You need to just think about that, right? Two years to create ninety percent of the world's current data—it's just a, a, a ridiculous amount of data. And, and I so I think there's a data explosion, but marketers are data-rich but insight-poor, right? We with all of that data, you have to, you, you you need machine learning and AI to, to help make sense of it. And I don't think AI will ever replace marketers. It should help do a lot of the heavy lifting, right. And, and service insights that a marketer can act upon. But that, that's, I'd say one of the biggest things, the other thing that we're, I mean, obviously mobile is exploded. I was fortunate enough to work at ChaCha uh, cha-cha where we, um, we got about three million questions a day on text message uh, into ChaCha so as a Q and A service, but we put a lot of that content on the web, and, and we became over the two years that I worked there. I think we went from about uh, a U.S. rank of 600 all the way up to a U.S. rank of 36, so the 36 most traffic website in the, uh, in the United States, and we were top five in mobile. So really 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 strong on the mobile side and and mobile we've gone from from big giant desktop pcs to to now mobile multi-mobile wearables um so it's a device explosion um from a from a user standpoint that's put a lot of challenges on digital marketing and the other thing i'd say is just the targeting in general i think internet advertising was born from offline advertising concepts and a lot of it doesn't apply So I think we've tried to, you know, fit fit a square peg in a round hole uh, when it comes to trying to make digital marketing perform. And so that's one of the things that I think hasn't really changed, but but needs to.
0: I think that's a really great point, because I do think when we as marketers start moving into a new channel, our first reaction is, well, it's like the one we've currently did. So let me take all my print ads and make my email look like them or make my landing pages look that way instead of kind of rethinking it all. And one of the things that you mentioned around mobile, right, I think is really, really impactful that people don't realize is that mobile is not just your phone anymore. I think that's sometimes the way marketers think about it is that mobile is my, my smartphone, but it's really things like wearables like you were talking about. And it's really the way I consume content, not necessarily just a channel anymore,
1: That's right. You have to be, uh, you know, they used to say, "Oh, you have to be mobile first, mobile first, right? Like everywhere for, for years I've been hearing mobile first, mobile first. And the truth is it's not mobile first. And and there isn't a shift from desktop to, to, uh, to mobile. It's a, it's a tectonic shift to multi-device, meaning customers are still using their desktops and their laptops, But in addition to that, they're now using their mobile phones, tablets, wearables. Uh, So you have to be everywhere they are. and, And that puts a big burden on development, on marketing. You have to really think about for each piece of content you create, what is the right way across every single device to display that information for for consumers to to appeal to the consumers regardless of the device that they're on. So it's not a mobile first world and it's not a desktop first world. It's a multi device first world.
0: Well, and especially when you start thinking about chatbots coming to that voice as an activation point, we're going to start thinking about it as multi-experience, right? It's really a ton of different ways we could even interact with brands moving forward. So when you think about this, sh- this big shift to this multi-device or multi-experience world, what impact have you seen that have on brands in regards to like digital advertising or how they think about their web traffic and the sources from it?
1: There's a couple things. I'd say one of the myths uh, or, or the trend that I typically see is like everybody thinks they need a mobile app. And the truth is the, the, uh, I think the last stat I read, and I'm sure this is outdated and there's probably better data out there, but of all the mobile apps that are ever downloaded, only 25% of them are ever opened again. So, when you think about that, right, it, it's um, you don't necessarily need to have a mobile app; you just need to have a mobile experience, right? When you when you think about it through the lens of digital advertising, it's people have to think about when they're designing a web page. What that web page looks like on desktop, what it looks like on tablet, what it looks like on the phone, different sizes of each of those. So responsive design and and, and really um, thinking through conversion optimization for each device, for each page you create. It's it's no longer it no 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 longer can it be an afterthought. It, you have to design that way. And I think the other thing that that has caused Really, it's retabic. Um, so, if you think about you know, CMOs today, I was at a, a shop talk last couple of years or whatever. So, shop talk is one of the bigger e commerce or retail focused events now. And I can't remember if it was this year or last year, but probably 80%. So, four out of five uh, CMOs or heads of marketing that were on the different panels throughout the entire show. When asked what their greatest problem was like four out of five were saying attribution. So, so what is attribution? It's, you know, if, if you, uh, you see an ad on display, you click it, you come to a site, but you don't buy, then you leave and you do a search and then you click on a search ad and you come to the site and you don't buy, and then you get an email from that brand. You click on a link in the email, go to the site and buy well, how do you attribute that sale to those three or four different touch points along the journey? What's made matters really complicated now is that, well, one of those touch points, a user might've been on mobile. And the next touch point, they might've been on a tablet. And the next touch point, they might've been on, a, on, on their laptop. And so combining all of that cross-device activity for a given user so that you can make really the right decisions about what the impact each marketing touchpoint had along the journey. It's a, a massive data science challenge, and it's one of the greatest problems that's never been solved um, until demand jump, we believe. So that's that I think is, uh, the, the last thing I'd say, that's I think wreaking havoc now is that there's a lot of accidental clicks or click, uh, and click fraud on mobile, right? Meaning, and you've seen this before, right? You start, yep. you go, up, uh, you pull open an app, and right as you go to click something, an ad pops up, and you accidentally click that ad, and then you, you know, you go over to whatever site that ad takes you to, and then you kind of scramble back to the app and try and close the ad. It's just, it's a very frustrating experience for users, and the uh, what makes it even more frustrating is the ads today are totally irrelevant to the, to the content or to the journey the consumer is currently on, right? They're, they're, uh, if you think about like marketing at the highest level should be about serving the right offer to the right person at the right place and time. Yet online and digital, all marketers really think about is the right offer to the right audience, right? The right offer to the right person. We don't really think about as much as we should where to place that ad. Right? We let it happen, quote, programmatically.
0: I think that's really interesting because to your point, a lot of people think about what they're doing like overall, but they don't think about how that's different on each of the different devices that someone may interact with. Right? What I want to do at my mobile smartphone is very different than how I may interact with the same e-commerce site on my desktop.
1: That's exactly right. I find my own behavior. I mean, I'll go to a certain website on my mobile phone, and then if I can't easily get to, like sometimes they uh, certain brands will strip out all the content that you're really after to try and make it a smaller experience for mobile. And that, that's kind of frustrating, right? Because then I I have to pull open my laptop and, and attack it from from that way. So it's just, mobile experience is tough. It, it's tough to get right, and it's it's at, it takes, it's basically, tripled the amount of de- development work that has to occur because you're not developing just for desktop now. You're developing for desktop and tablet and mobile and, and other form factors that are I'm sure on their way.
0: One of the big news is for me in 2018 that I think was a little shocking was when P&G announced that they had cut their digital ad spend by $200 million. And I think that caused a lot of waves through the market around like, well, if they're doing that, what does that mean? And they were talking about how they got better, some better results by making that cut. But I think there's more to that story. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing brands do to really attack some of these changes that we've seen in consumer behavior on the different devices we're on and how we really just buy and engage with brands that have been successful, in your opinion?
1: This is the age-old, who who was it, Uh, uh, John Wanamaker back in, you know, over a century ago said, I know half my marketing works and half my marketing doesn't work, but I don't know which half is which, right? It, it, that's that in my mind is is the summation of the greatest problem that's, that still to date has not been solved. And it's it, it's how do you measure marketing when some things aren't, aren't easy to measure, right? And, and sometimes it takes many different touch points to build your brand and be top of mind but if you think about the, the funnel today, right? I think what marketers are starting to wake up to is that the funnel is broken. Uh, we, we used to believe, uh, and many marketers still do believe today that you know, the funnel is broken up into four layers and at the highest level you have awareness and then you have consideration, then decision, and then a purchase. And so they build campaigns to target users at each layer But what we've realized is at the bottom of the funnel, you get awareness, consideration, decision, and purchase, right? You get it all at the top of the funnel. You only get awareness, right? Said another way, if you're spending money on awareness campaigns to build a brand, but then when that user is ready to buy, they don't see you, well, you just wasted your spend, right? So we believe marketers are kind of waking up to the fact that they have to fill the funnel from a budget standpoint, from the bottom up, right until they don't have any more more money, it makes no sense to waste money on on pure play sort of awareness campaigns for this, just branding for the sake of branding. And while branding is important, it's more important uh, that you're branding from the bottom of the funnel all the way up. And I think that's what PNG and, and others are kind of waking up to right there. They've spent a lot of of capital and wasted a lot of capital by kind of blasting ads all over the place to everyone. Um, There was a a great article in the New York Times in, I think, April of last year uh, that talked about Chase Bank. Um, Chase Bank was serving display ads on 400,000 websites, and for brand safety reasons, they curated a list of 5,000 websites. Um, So same budget, they got the same budget, the same reach, the same frequency, but they focused their budget from 400,000 to 5,000 websites. So they cut out, right? 395,000 websites from their focus and they saw zero difference, right? And the thing that that I believe Chase missed is those 5,000 websites weren't necessarily, while they're brand safe and they might've been big brand safe sites, they were not necessarily bottom of the funnel focused, right? Meaning they they might've been just sort of big news sites or or sort of generic sites where where the bulk of their consumers go, but they would have probably gotten a double or triple in terms of result by focusing those websites along the, the... dynamic customer journey.
0: So when you talk about dynamic customer journey, can you just, for the audience, explain a little bit about what you mean? Because I think you have a different take on it than what people traditionally think about when they talk about the customer journey.
1: Typical marketers, I think when we think about the customer journey, we think about, you know, well, when they get to my website, what pages do they navigate? What products do they look at? What do they add to their cart? And do they ultimately buy, right? That's, that's the customer journey. That's really the customer journey only when they're on my site well if you think about that that's really the last step of the customer journey right so let's look at a a use case there let's say you know if i'm buying a new tv well i'm going to go to google to start my journey uh probably started because either i got sick of you know not having not having the latest and greatest uh, technology or my old tv kind of died right And, and so my journey begins. And I typically will go to a, a different technology website, a CNET or a Tom's Hard, was a Tom's hardware or whatever. Or I might go to Google and I start doing some searches. I might go to Best Buy or some other electronic site, Amazon and, and start looking at products. i get confused, right? Because there's so many options. Now I start to Google search for, should I buy an HD TV or a, uh, 4k or this or that, or what is that, you know, what are these different specs that I should be looking at is plasma better than led. So there's, there's just a a ton that goes into that journey, right? I've, I've already been to now multiple different websites. I've, I've done multiple different searches and consumed information everywhere. And I'm starting to hone in now on, okay, I want a 65 inch 4k TV And now I'm starting to look at the different brands and I might go to a, to a TV review site to look at different reviews and all along that journey, what I typically see are ads that are totally irrelevant. That's what I mean when I say marketers aren't, aren't targeting that dynamic journey. They might be targeting search terms, but they might not necessarily know the right search terms to target. I mean, the amount of new searches, Google sees every year, is somewhere between 15 to 20 percent of, of searches that occur on Google are net new. They've never seen them before. And that's that keeps increasing. And so I think marketers think we, we do what we know, right? Which is let's we kind of think inside out. I have a product, here's what I think people will be searching for for this product. Here's some ad copy. Now I push it out there in the hopes that people will will find my product, right? But the reality is you have to start with the customer and you have to look at how are they actually behaving and then work backwards. And that's a pretty big shift.
0: Especially when you realize it's to your point earlier, it's not a traditional funnel. Like I don't go in a straight line as a consumer. I actually go in this like weird squiggly line that sometimes goes backwards and forwards and crisscrosses itself 10 times before I make a decision.
1: That's absolutely right. And the other big myth uh, that's out there is a lot of people think you know, they think um, display is top of the funnel, and search is bottom of the funnel, and social is middle of the funnel. And the reality is, every marketing channel technically operates at every level of the funnel, right? Uh, meaning uh, there are very broad TV uh, uh, search terms around TVs, right? If I just do a search for a 4K TV, uh, that's awareness, right? That's that's pretty high up the chain, but down at the at the bottom, you know. What is the best 4K TV to buy? Uh, that that is showing intent, and now I'm closer uh, to the bottom of the funnel. But but the same can be said for literally every 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 marketing channel there is that you operate. They all operate at every layer of the funnel, and you have to think about it that way as you build your campaigns.
0: So recently, I was reading the Gartner report for CMOS, and it was talking about where they plan on spending their budget in 2019. And one of the stats that really caught my attention. And I think it goes back to a point you made earlier was the top result for all CMOs surveyed that they care the most about was awareness, which to me is interesting, right? Because it's to your point earlier, that's very top of the funnel and the funnel is different today. So how do you think about getting, you know, your C-level and even just your other marketing leaders to start thinking about this in a really different perspective to your idea of a dynamic customer journey? And what have you seen being successful in companies that have tried to like take that concept on?
1: I think the last year I was at Overstock, we spent uh, $96 million on marketing. I think in, in a single year, Overstock went from, I don't remember which year it was, but, but we went from about 16% unprompted brand recognition to 43% in one year. And uh, I believe that was the year that I spent $96 million. And we spent... 0 dollars on awareness on pure play awareness campaigns meaning we focused on the bottom of the funnel and and worked up and we got awareness at those lower funnel stages and so much so that we built the brand i mean that Overstock is a household name and it uh, it's a great brand and they have you know great products and whatnot still today but we didn't really just do awareness for the sake of awareness i mean if you think about that TV uh, example, and this one is so top of mind for me because I literally just bought a new, t- a new TV. So I to do this exercise, but I was looking at a blog that was all about TV reviews and they they literally had all these different reviews for all these different TVs. And I was seeing fashion ads and travel ads and ads for cars. Not a single time did I see an ad for a TV and I was in buy mode. And that, I mean, had I seen a Best Buy ad talking about one of their, you know, promotion for their TVs or or something like that, at that time, that would have built their awareness far greater than if I'm on a phishing website and I see a Best Buy ad, right? Like I'm not paying attention at that when I'm going fishing, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Thinking about the digital ad strategy today and what brands should be doing, what are the recommendations you give people about how they should kind of rethink their go-to-market ad strategy?
1: Back to that attribution challenge, right? Attribution in and of itself is a challenge. Um, understanding multi-device behavior is an even bigger challenge as it relates to attribution and, and What you really have to understand is you start with your, your customer in mind, what it, when someone comes in and they buy, how many more purchases do they have over the life, you know, over the next 12, 18 months. And if if you can, you have to use a, you have to use that to kind of think about what you're willing to spend for a customer. And it depends on the model. Every every business is different. Some some businesses have sort of a single sale, like uh, they take a mattress as an example, right? I'm going to buy one mattress and I'm going to hold onto it for five years or something. Uh, versus other companies where I might buy once a month or once every couple months. Um, so you have to understand what that lifetime value is, and then you have to understand you want to know that so you know what you're willing to pay for someone. But then the next thing that you have to understand is where am I getting the best customers, right? When I know where I have my highest LTV, my highest long-term value customers, I want, I want more of those. I don't want the customers that sort of are one and done or, or what I would perceive to be lower value based on my business metrics. And so shifting your marketing budget uh, to align to the higher quality customers, it's very difficult, right? Because that then might mean that you focus on a different set of marketing channels. And it's really a data science and a math problem.
0: I think it also causes a little bit of apprehension too to other people in the organization. When you say, I'm going to focus more on people that look like this, that have this type of like LTV, and I'm not going to blanket the world. I like to use the old adage, right? Sometimes people say, well, the answer is just send more email. Well, that's not the answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny you, you say that because we, we do encounter a lot of customers that, you know, they, they, they focus too heavily on a single channel. That, you know, there's, there, there's a, a better play to identify the right mix of channels and the right mix of campaigns across those channels to achieve a, a dramatically better result. And the other thing I'd say is don't believe everything that you see. I mean, uh, uh every single marketing channel you know, from email to paid search to Facebook, they will claim revenue if they were ever involved, right. Or ever had, uh, ever involved with that customer along their journey. But a customer might have clicked on a paid search ad, not bought, clicked on a paid social ad, not bought, then clicked on an email ad and bought. Yet all three of those systems will now claim revenue, and so, and so that that tends to wreak havoc in 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 the numbers. And I could tell you some war stories on, on on that front, but I know one very large enterprise that uh, that sort of added up all of the revenue that was claimed across all the different marketing channels. So from paid search, paid social, email, affiliate marketing, etc., and the the revenue number was two and a half times larger than the actual amount of revenue they had.
0: Wow. Yeah. And then you wonder like, well, where did all that revenue go? Well, nowhere really. (laughs) As you can tell, Sean's career is extremely impressive, and he's helped some of the biggest retail brands think differently about their digital marketing strategies. One of the comments he made that really hit home for me was how we have access to so much data, but it's almost created this analysis paralysis, and AI is really going to be needed to truly make sense of all the data that we have available to us, which means we're going to have to be strategic about how we consume data, how we utilize it to make quick results, and try not to feel overwhelmed by the sheer volume of it. Now let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Sean that can really help you transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, the idea of a multi-device world is becoming more and more of a reality. And it ties nicely with this previous idea that we've talked about on the show about how mobile is more than just your mobile phone. This is putting a lot of challenges on digital marketing because we now need as marketers to think strategically through everything we do in the lens of multiple devices, which means we have to be everywhere on every device that our consumers are on. Gone are the days of just thinking about desktop and mobile phone. I think sometimes we're gonna miss those days, you guys. Now we gotta think about digital experiences for every device. What conversion is gonna look like on each device? It can no longer be an afterthought. And we no longer can assume that it's gonna work the same way. Let's take a look at digital ads as an example. We've been running digital ads for numerous years and results vary a great deal based on not just the channel, whether it's paid search, display, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, but also on the device those ads are being viewed on. Take a look at some of the issues that brands have seen with mobile ads. While we've always had the problem with accidental clicks and frauds on desktop ads, it doesn't seem to have been as big of a problem as it has been on mobile. Think about accidental clicks for a second. How many times as a consumer have you done a normal mobile gesture and that's accidentally caused you to click on a mobile ad that you never intended to click on. It happens to me tons, and results in me getting first frustrated and then trying to go back to that previous page almost immediately. And with more than $49.5 billion spent on digital ads in the first half of 2018 in the US, 3% of those ad dollars being spent on mobile It really has an opportunity to seriously inflate click-through rates and have really big impacts on the bottom line. Now, don't get me wrong. It's gotten tremendously better in recent years, and some of the big ad platforms have made significant improvements to combat these types of issues. But it's still an ongoing problem that we face on mobile that's different than we might face on desktop or on wearables. That's why you really need to think about what you're serving up from an ad perspective and just content in general across every channel and device and know that your conversion path is going to be different for each one. With more devices and channel options for marketing comes more benefits, but at the same time, more challenges. Next, the multi-device world we live in combined with the multi-channel marketing we're doing now is creating this ongoing nightmare for all of us. How many of you have been there? Especially in regards to attribution. In the past, it was so easy for us as marketers to determine which channel drove a conversion because we weren't doing a ton of them. So if someone clicked on an email and bought something, we knew that came from the email. Now we don't know, it's harder because we have these super complex customer journeys that involve multiple channels, multiple devices, and our efforts to market to a single person. And that's changed how we need to think about combining all this cross-device and cross-channel activity so we can correctly determine the channels that are truly driving results. Let's look at Sean's example of an enterprise organization where multiple channel owners are all claiming attribution for the same revenue. This is a problem that happens in a lot of organizations, especially when those channels are siloed and 54% of marketers are saying that multi-touch attribution is still one of their biggest gaps in marketing analytics. It's gonna take time for us to figure out how to best account for attribution in our organizations, and it's likely gonna be different by company. So we need to accept that there's likely no single channel driving customer acquisition and repeat purchase because of this multi-channel world we're living in today. So we need to figure out how to measure the impact each channel is having on sales, determine which channels are actually driving or influencing the higher customer lifetime value. So think about lifetime value, that's super important. This is gonna help us figure out where to allocate more of our spend to impact our bottom line. But remember, don't get overly excited. You can't put all of your eggs in one basket or one channel for that matter, or even a handful of channels. You have to have a mix of channels and campaigns across those channels to really drive the impact you wanna see. Finally, if you haven't realized it already, it's probably time for all of us to admit that that traditional marketing funnel we all learned about in college is finally broken. We need to start thinking about this dynamic customer journey concept that Sean talked about and the implications it's going to have on the funnel. As Sean explained, the dynamic customer journey doesn't involve a linear path towards purchase. Instead, it's this weird knotted ball of yarn that's likely different for each person, comes in a different color, and is unwound in a completely different way. And that may mean that a prospect never comes to your website until they're about ready to make a purchase decision. That's totally different than how we would have thought about marketing a decade ago or even five years ago. And the example we talked about with a TV is a perfect representation of how we've got to start thinking differently about marketing throughout that journey. We need to think about the various paths consumers can take when they're considering a purchase and how we can make sure we're not just providing the right offer to the right person, but we're doing it in the right place. And that's gonna impact your ad strategy and even your device strategy. The Behavior I as a consumer have on my desktop is different than what I do on my mobile phone. And that's different than how I behave and interact with Alexa. And that's something we need to take into consideration. We need to make sure all of the content we're putting in front of consumers is relevant to where they are in their journey with us as a brand in our purchase process and where they're actually seeing that content. Now, for my mobile marketing challenge for the week, I've talked to so many marketers about this belief that they need a native mobile app. Sean even mentioned it. And they're planning to invest in building one. That conception and that idea of needing a native mobile app is so old and outdated. With all of the advancements that have happened in mobile web, you can deliver a stellar mobile web experience without dealing with any of the baggage of a native mobile app. In fact, progressive web apps, or PWAs for short, are a great example of providing app-like functionality without the need for a download or the need to build it across multiple devices. You build it once and it works the same on Android and iOS. And if you haven't heard of PWAs yet, then it's time to get well-versed in this emerging Google-led technology that's been adopted by all the big tech players like Microsoft, Firefox, Apple. It's being used by numerous consumer brands such as West Elm, Pinterest, Spotify, and Starbucks, just to name a few. So if you don't know about PWAs, it's time to do your research. It's time to get plugged in to really what's going to fundamentally change mobile tech and mobile web and mobile apps moving forward. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit limovate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.